Hello from Barnabas, Cambridge. It is a real joy for me to be speaking with you today. Uh, thank you so much, Anne, for the invitation for me to be with you, with your missional community leaders over the weekend, and to be speaking today. Um, for me, it's, it's so encouraging when you begin to work with other churches and other leaders like Anne, where we believe the same things. We believe that God is reforming and renewing his church for the missionary call that is still upon his people. And I'm praying for you that, that God will continue his work in you, that he's already begun in doing that. Today, I'm going to be speaking about uh, capturing a compassion for the lost, for the lostness of people who are far away from God, capturing God's heart. At the heart of mission is the heart of God. And yet, so often, mission hasn't felt like it's come out of love, has it? And the way in which the church has done it hasn't always looked like that. And the way in which we've been encouraged to be involved in evangelism has often felt like we're being pressured or manipulated or even made to feel guilty in order to, to be involved in this. And yet it's meant to come out of the love of God. Rebecca Pippet Manley famously said, um, evangelism isn't something I even wanted to do to my dog, let alone my best friend. I think the dog gets a little bit of a bad rap in that. For me, I love my Springer Spaniel. So whether it's the dog or the best friend, evangelism isn't, isn't something we should do to people. And actually, people don't want us to do it to them. And so how do we recapture something that, that reconnects mission and evangelism that Jesus has commanded us to be involved in? And yet at the same time, it needs to come out of a heart of love. Well, Somebody has said that it's not that the church of God that has a mission, it is the God of mission who has a church. The God of mission who has a church. As we've just heard in uh, that famous verse from John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he sent his son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So it came out of the love of God that this missionary God sends his son, Jesus, to save us. And then he sends his spirit upon his people and he sends them. And so the, the missionary God has a church. And the reason why this is so significant is that that stops evangelism and mission being something that we do, something that's just on our to-do list as Christians. And it restores it to something that we're joining in with that God is involved in mission in this world. It all comes from his love and his compassion. And then out of that, we get to be in, we get the privilege of joining in, of being part of this incredible mission that God initiated. And we see it in Jesus' life, don't we? That after God sends him out of his love, Jesus begins to demonstrate that love in his ministry to save us. He reveals how compassionate and loving God is. Matthew records that he sees the people um, that, that are uh, harassed and, uh, and distressed and like sheep without a shepherd, and he has compassion on them, Matthew says. He's moved in his guts over their situation, their lostness, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he turns to his disciples and he says, the harvest is plentiful. Pray to the Lord of the harvest for more workers to be sent in the, into the field. And so Jesus' compassion causes him to say, let's send more people on mission. And then as he approaches Jerusalem, 
He sees the city and he weeps over it as God prophetically reveals that what will happen to that city and its destruction. And he longs to save it, but he knows that he can't. But, and so he weeps and he prays for the city. And then as the prophet Isaiah says, he, he sets his face resolutely and walks on into Jerusalem and to the cross in order to save us. His compassion leads to action. That has to be the order in mission. And I think that's something of what we've lost in how we've begun to approach this, that we're joining in with a God of our Father who sends Jesus, who then sends his Holy Spirit and sends us. And Jesus says, as he breathes on his disciples and gives them the Holy Spirit, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. In the same way that the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And so for us today, we ask the question, well, well, Jesus, how were you sent? Well, you were sent out of love and you were sent in love. You demonstrated the love and compassion of the Father. And so we need to follow in your footsteps as your followers. We need to demonstrate the same love and compassion you did. I remember at Holy Trinity where I was vicar that um, we were just looking at the life of the church and we were realizing even though that we were really outward facing, we're involved in our missional communities, we weren't seeing people come to faith in Jesus in the way that we wanted them to. So I asked the missional community leaders and their teams some really honest questions. And one of those was this, do you live with a compassion for the lostness of the people who you share your life with? Does that compassion cause you to change or to do anything as a result of having that compassion? And they were honest enough to tell me that they didn't. The vast majority of our leaders, our best Christians, who led our missional communities, who, who said, yes, we want people to come to know Jesus. And yet day to day, they weren't living with any sense of compassion for the lostness of those around them. After hearing that, and a number of other really honest answers to some other questions, I went home and I wept. I wept because of the state of our lives as Christians, that we weren't reflecting God and, and his compassion and his missionary life that he sent Jesus to show us. And secondly, I wept because of my failure as a church leader to equip God's people for this work of mission, for this life of mission that we're meant to be on with Jesus. And so we went on a journey and we sought to learn some things about what God was, um, could teach us as to how we could recover this missionary life. And one of those things was around this area of compassion. So here are my three sort of insights that we, we've taken from that journey of exploring and talking and praying together. Uh, and they are that, first of all, we need a personal experience of Jesus that is alive in us. Secondly, we need a prayerfulness over uh, the lostness of people around us, that that has to be the heart of our prayer life. And thirdly, we, we mustn't duck the principle that people are lost and in danger of, of, of being separated from God in eternity. So let's just look at those which I hope will just help you today. And if you, if you relate in any way to this, then my encouragement is that God has taken us on this journey. He can take you on that journey. But the question that we were always asking people at Holy Trinity is, will you let him? Will you let him give you his heart for those who are lost? And will you allow him to move you from that place of compassion into action? 
So here's the first of those principles. First of all, we need a personal experience of God that is alive in us. Our faith needs to be alive. We need to have a testimony of what God's doing in our life that causes us to say, isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't what he's doing in my life wonderful? And how do other people live in this world without the knowledge of that? And I don't want the people that I love to to live without that and I will long for them to know Jesus. And so that starts with a work of the Spirit within us, keeping that flame alive, fanning it into flame, that first love, not letting that die out, because then we will say, I long for others to know this. When it goes dull, when it becomes very, very formulaic and without a life in us, then actually it's very difficult for us to say, I long for others to have what I've got, because actually... We've lost touch with God and and we, we stop being convinced that actually what people around us need is the gospel that saves them and the relationship through Jesus Christ uh, that will transform their lives because actually we're not living it out ourselves. So that's my first encouragement to you. Above everything else, if this resonates with you, come back to Jesus. Ask him for, to fill you with his spirit. Begin that relationship with him that's alive. For me, during this COVID ex- uh, experience, it's been a, quite a tough time. Um, I've really struggled as an extrovert uh, with mental health issues and, and just not being able to get out of our house in Leicester. We're locked down permanently for, for basically for six months. And yet in it, God has been so good. And, and through those, those challenges, he's really revealed things which he's wanted to begin to pay some attention to. And so I'm, I'm seeing a counsellor. And out of the revelations and insights that I pray for through that counsellor, Jesus is changing me. My wife will give testimony to this. So what's your testimony at the moment? What are you grateful for? Let's talk with one another about how wonderful Jesus is, how grateful we are, and encourage each other. And that will cause your heart to long for others to have what Jesus is doing in your life. So that's the personal experience. The second one is a prayerfulness. And so we pray for those who are lost. Uh, Just as the archbishops have encouraged us to pray for five, we encourage people at Holy Trinity to do that. But how we pray really matters. So we're not just praying, Lord, please bless Granny. Please bless my neighbours. We're praying, Lord, would you save them? And Lord, would you give me insight into how I can pray for those who are lost uh, because of the issues that are going on in their lives, that you would use them and you would work in their hearts uh, to, uh, to, to save them. In the reading that goes on from John 3.16, uh, we, we hear about the light that's come into the, to the world and some people loving darkness and some people loving the light. And we need to pray for our friends and our family that God will begin to transform their hearts so that they long to to seek after the light and to open them up to him. So I'm praying for people. Uh, Just a couple of of stories just recently. My friend Tony, I've been witnessing with him for years and uh, we've seen him come on an Alpha course, go even on mission trips with me. And yet still he's not come to Christ. He recently lost his job just last week. I'm obviously supporting him. I'm with him in that. But as I pray for him, I'm praying, Lord, humble him. Lord, bring him to his knees before you where he realizes he's not his own savior. He can't provide for himself. And would you bring him back to you? Would you cause him to come to you, Jesus, during this time? Use this time to break in to Tony's life. And another guy called Glenn, he's the brother of of somebody at Holy Trinity. 
And uh, he's really got a really tough life. He's an alcoholic. And while he was drunk, he, he fell, hit his head, and he ended up in hospital in a coma. We're praying for him. But because we're longing for him to come to faith, we're not just praying we'll bring him out of a coma and save his life. We're also praying in the coma, speak to him, Jesus. Reveal yourself to him. A couple of weeks ago, he came out of that coma, praise God. And what he shared with his sister was that in that time in the coma, he saw some dark forces trying to take his life away from him. But three lights came into his presence in that coma and, and basically pushed back the, um, the, uh, the dark forces and said, would he let them into his life to protect him? And he did. And so Jesus revealed himself to him and the battle that is over his life. He's not come to faith yet, but he's at work. And that's coming out of our prayer. And when we pray over the lostness of people, we begin to capture the heart of God for them. We begin to weep over them. We begin to long for their salvation. We begin to pray with compassion. And when we're with them and when we're thinking of them, it changes us. We've been changed by our prayer as well as our prayer changing their circumstances. So I really encourage you to, to find five people who don't yet know Christ who you love and start to pray regularly for them and to pray for them in a way that isn't just God bless them and please help them with the circumstances of their life, but Lord, save them and give me revelation as to how I can pray. So as I was praying for Glenn literally this morning, God gave me the revelation that there, I saw talons of the enemy still gripping him, but there are only two left. And so he's losing his grip. And I'm praying, Lord, show me what those talons are and what are these points that, that, he, that, that Glenn is still in the grip of the enemy and set him free to know you. So the second point is prayerfulness. And then thirdly, um, we need to recognize the principle of Scripture, that people are lost without Jesus Christ. And that's not just in this world where they're anxious and they don't understand this world and they're separated from God and don't know his love. And that's that's bad enough. But they're lost for eternity and in danger of being separated from him for eternity when they die. When I was training for ministry 25 years ago, I, I wrote a dissertation on the decline in the belief in hell in the evangelical church. And as I studied those passages of scripture, God broke my heart for the lost state of people. And so I... I began to pray consistently that God would stir up that compassion within me. And so we need to recognize the truth that God loves people. He doesn't want anyone to perish. We've no doubt about that because of what Jesus did for them. But they're in that danger. I think sometimes we look at people around us and we think, hang on a minute, they're, they're not really much different from us. If, they're, if we've got our lives sorted with our families, our houses, our jobs, and everybody around us who, who isn't in church has also got the same then are they really lost? The Bible says they are completely lost. They live their days in the slavery to sin. They're not free, and they may have a veneer of being sorted, but I promise you they're not. They were created for a relationship with God, and they're in danger of an eternity without him. Let's capture a compassion for them and let that begin to change our heart towards them. So maybe one of those is, is a way in for you of this. Please do take some time to think and to pray over what really resonates with you. But then finally, the final point is, is that we go from compassion. We capture that in prayer before God and out of his word. 
and we then moved into action. And one of the lies that's around this issue of evangelism is that if it's coming out of love, it just needs to be organic and spontaneous. And actually, we shouldn't be intentional and planned and strategic. That is utter nonsense. We know this in our families. If we're parents, we're intentional about how we're parenting our children. We're trying to understand them and, and love them and lead them in a way that is really that is right for them. In our marriages, I hope, in other areas of relationship, we're intentional about building those relationships and putting into those relationships things that are important. If we love those who are lost, we will be intentional about how we seek to love them and lead them to faith in Jesus Christ. So out of that prayerfulness and that compassion, we, the way that we express our intention is a really simple way in which we say to God, what next? What can I do next that will help my friend come to know you? So we take off the pressure to do everything as if we have to just download the whole of the four spiritual laws and, and the two ways to live and whatever we've been trained in. And we just say, Lord, what next? What's the next step? Would you show me? And if you'll pray that genuinely and you then get something from God, then you have to take courage and you have to obey. Because the other part of love is obedience. Jesus said, if you, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So we, none of us get a, a, a get out of mission free card. It's, it's in our job, de job description. But that obedience comes out of love for Jesus and it comes out of compassion for the lost. And we take courage and we take that step. My prayer is, is that God will renew in you that compassion and then he'll begin to show you what the next step could be, how to bless them, how to care for them, how to tell your testimony, share a story, invite them to something that will take them closer to Jesus. So let me pray for you now. Lord, thank you so much for each of my brothers and sisters. I pray your blessing on them, that as they seek you in response to this word, that they might know your Holy Spirit, renewing their heart and their love for you, and that it might renew in them your heart for the lost, and you might lead them forward in freedom from any pressure or guilt, but freedom and joy that they get to be involved in the mission that you're involved in, Father in reaching this world that you love so much. For your glory's sake, Jesus, we pray. Amen.